Lord Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, you are our God. You are our comfort. You are our strength. You are our provider. This time of year is so difficult for some people. I look out into our our sanctuary this morning, there's some folks that I'm missing their faces. Lord, I think each one of us represents a person that's, that's not here this morning. Lord, that maybe we have lost touch with. God, would we name those people in the quietness of our hearts right now? Jesus, we're family. God, we are uh, united through you. God, I pray that you would give us courage, Lord, that you would give us compassion to reach out to those folks that, that maybe we're missing. Lord, and we pray that whatever they're walking through right now, Lord, that you would be with them step by step. Jesus, I pray that you would lead us to, to reach out to them today. Lord, even if it means pulling out our phones and texting them right now, God, that you would help us to do that. Lord, this week has been busy. It has been hectic. It has been full. But your word says that doing your will, it sustains us. God, and when, when we grow weary... Your spirit empowers us to run and not grow weary. Jesus, I pray that you would give a holy anointing on our bodies this week. God, that we would be given an endurance to run and not grow weary. Lord Jesus, for the physical needs in our church, Lord, we pray for holiness, for for healing, for purpose to be seen in the midst of these things. Lord, for God, for, for parents in this room, Lord, that, that are praying and believing and wishing and hoping and waiting for you to do a thing in their children's lives. God, we ask together, believing in the same things that they're praying right now and trusting that you're going to have your will and your way and your timing. God, for folks right now that it's the month of love <laughs> and, and we aren't feeling it, Lord, I pray that you would, you would show us new purpose. God, that you would show us uh, a new understanding of your timing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be just a breath for us this morning. God, that we could catch up. That we could stop and breathe and rest and learn and be encouraged by who you are. 
It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, can I have a seat? Girl, you are amazing. Gosh, she's amazing. She's like filling up a room and she's the only person up there. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, I'm excited to see each of your smiling faces this morning. Uh, we are starting a new series. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> we are starting a new series. Um, and we are going to be in wind and fire. So we're going into some powerful words here. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we have, you know, all of our sermon series, they have a purpose. I, I promise I don't just like make them up in a garage somewhere or something. Um, <laughs> they have a purpose. And they all are supposed to bring us closer and closer to God. But under that umbrella, there's different types of series. You know, uh, there's the ones that are very practical that say like changing habits about your marriage, your finances, your job, things like love stuff, which is done. If I didn't emphasize that with you enough, is done. Uh, <laughs> there's other ones uh, that, that focus on the heart of God. And it focus, uh, focuses us on having a heart like God, uh, having a, a heart that breaks for the things that break him. Um, this one, however, is a little different in that this one's job is to challenge our perspective, uh, to get us to go, hmm, uh, I never thought about it like that. Or I never really uh, implemented it into my life like that. And so today we're, we're going to hope that we can change our perspective a little bit on the Holy Spirit. Now, that's kind of difficult because talking about the Holy Spirit gets a little weird sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, it gets a little strange, and we don't talk about it very often uh, because we don't really want to be one of those churches. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, it has that tendency for us to be a little confused. It has a tendency for us to be a little uncomfortable um, and this is the huge thing about the Holy Spirit is that every single thing that God does in and through you, he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if we don't understand the Holy Spirit, we're missing out on a huge chunk, not just a huge chunk, we're missing out on everything that he wants to do in and through you. And I think that we get confused by the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me show you what I mean. I have a, a story this morning to tell you. Um, over a year ago, my parents were in a car accident, and one of the things that happened is that my dad was injured really badly. Um, so the car rolled, and when it rolled, he landed on his left arm, essentially, and what they called it was a traumatic, a traumatic injury, one that you wouldn't see normally, one that doesn't really happen when you fall, but something like, if you're doing, like, parkour or extreme sports, like, it might happen. And so he had multiple breaks. Uh, his, his arm essentially was uh, hanging by his side when he was pulled away from the car. And one of the things that happened is that his shoulder was completely ruined. Now, I'm going to use the terms that the surgeon used with me. He said that essentially you have a ball and a socket for your shoulder, and the ball of my dad's shoulder exploded. And I thought, that's a weird word to use, but he said it exploded in his arm. 
And so my dad had to go through a bunch of surgeries in what I would call the butthole of America, <laughs> which is Kearney, Nebraska. <laughs> and, and we were there for nine days, nine miserable, miserable days of surgeries just to get him stable and comfortable so he could travel up to South Dakota where he lives. Now, um, during that time, my dad was in a lot of pain. You know, you don't just explode a bone and then <laughs> not have some consequences, right? And so they'd give him medications to make him comfortable. Is this my dad? Oh, this is my dad. Aren't we cute? That's my dad. Uh, that was the very first time he went putt-putt golfing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so during that time, uh, he had to have a bunch of different surgeries, and they were trying to keep him comfortable. And sometimes he was a little too comfortable, <laughs> okay? Um, I remember he came back from his surgery once, and he was going on and on about how him and the nurse that gave him the drugs uh, had guns and they were hiding from the surgeons, and he kept asking where his gun was. Um, and then he went on and on about how he saw George McGovern in the grocery store, um, which is actually a true story, uh, crazy enough. Um, and then <laughs> my friend Elizabeth, who went out with me to the butthole of America, she walked in the room and he said, oh, it looks like there's a unicorn flying above my bed. And he was like, no, nah, I'm just screwing with you. <laughs> but, but, but that's what, he was so chill. He was so, he was uh, vaguely aware of his familiar, or of his surroundings, but he was comfortable. And I think oftentimes we think that that's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. Make us comfortable. You know, we're Christians, and God sent us this advocate, and so we are supposed to be comfortable. Now, fast forward, uh, my dad had a surgery in the time when we were in the butthole of America, and I don't know if I told you this is the butthole of America. Uh, <laughs> uh, while we were there, the surgery took eight hours long, eight hours long to essentially piece together uh, the ball of his, of his shoulder. Now, during that time, they gave him drugs, but it wasn't to make him comfortable. No, it was to knock him out, and knock him out it did. And so the surgeon, zoom in on this, the surgeon was working inside of my dad for eight hours without him being aware of it. See what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, that's his job. That whether you know it or not, if you have accepted Christ, he works inside your life, whether you are aware of it or not. Whether you are aware of it or not. That, that's the Holy Spirit's job, to work in and through you. Uh, to, to go in when we may not have the strength to repair and fix us, and to help us to be more and more like Jesus. And ironically enough, the most familiar the closest aspect of the triune God is the most unfamiliar to us. Is the one that we don't like to talk about, the one that confuses us. And so, during the course of this sermon series, what I want to do is to give us a new perspective. To give us a new understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So at the beginning of every sermon series, I like to just pray and ask for the Lord to move. So would you pray with me? God, as we dive into this topic uh, of your Holy Spirit, 
God, we pray that, that our words would be anointed uh, with your Holy Spirit. God, that your presence would flood this space, would flood our hearts. Lord, and that we would be more attuned to how you are moving. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said we very rarely in the church talk about the Holy Spirit, right? And I think that there's a couple different reasons why we don't. And the first one, I will just admit, we don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We just don't. Uh, We don't know that much about him. You know, we worship God the Father because he's a creator, and we can see his creation, and it makes sense. You know, we worship Jesus because he was human, and we can understand that. But if I asked you to describe the Holy Spirit, what would you even say? You know, you might be able to jumble together some churchy words, <laughs> but, but what would we actually say about this? And this, this problem predates our generation. If you look at the Apostles' Creed, okay? So the Apostles' Creed that is just the basic faith of Christian churches. Look at what it says about Jesus. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He was suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And that's all we affirm about Jesus. All right, let's see what it says about the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's it. Even, even in the Apostles' Creed, we're like, yeah, I believe in him. <laughs> Don't quite get it. Don't know what else we believe about, but I believe in him. <laughs> and the truth is, is that we don't know much about him. The second reason that we don't talk about it is that we're scared of what might happen. Okay? <laughs> Let's just admit it, right? Uh, most transla- some translations, they translate Holy Spirit as Holy Ghost, which like, I don't know if I really want to dig deeper into that, you know? That's kind of creepy, kind of scary. I don't know if I want to do this. And let's be honest, we all know churches that focus so much on the Holy Spirit. You know, they got dancers and ribbons and flags and all these things, and we're like, I don't want to be like that church. We're like the cool church, you know? (laughs) I don't want to be like those guys. Even though, let's admit, we're all really weird people, okay? And the problem that happens is this, is that when we just focus on what God does for us, you know, when we just focus on God sending Jesus, on God fighting for us, on doing things for us, when we focus on only on what God does for us, it requires little of us. When we only focus on the things that God does for us, it requires nothing of me. But when we we focus on how God works in us, that requires everything of me. You know, if God works for us, I can leave him at church and I can visit him weekly. (laughs) But if God works in me and he lives in me and he goes everywhere that I go, that changes how I speak, how I live, how I act, how I spend. That changes everything. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he said, sadly enough, most churches, or in most churches, there is little thought of the Holy Spirit. 
Tozer goes on to uh, hypothesize uh, that if the Holy Spirit just decided to not show up anymore, he hypothesized that 95% of churches would just continue business as usual. Which breaks my heart, because I think, what would happen to Anchor Church? You know, would we know if the Holy Spirit didn't show up one Sunday? Would it change the things that we do? Would we even notice to begin with? And would we even have an understanding of what's going on anymore? Or would we just continue to move the gears on the machine? I don't know. I hope not. I hope we'd be part of the 5%. And, and this is a tragedy because uh, everything that God does in and through your life, he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that when you experience tragedy and God gives you peace that transcends all understanding, that's the Holy Spirit. When you read a Bible verse and it speaks to you, it jumps off the page and it gives you guidance and comfort, that's the Holy Spirit. When you're patient, when you're not normally patient, that's the Holy Spirit. The other day, I woke up super late, and I said the S word when I woke up. I said, shoot. <laughs> that was a work of the Holy Spirit right there. <laughs> he is working in and through me, and I don't even know it. And he does those things. And what I want to do today is I want to give us a base knowledge of what the Holy Spirit is and who he is, and how he functions. Because it's difficult to talk about the Holy Spirit, because just like Jesus, you can't just look at one scripture and say like, okay, I got it. It's all throughout scripture. And the Holy Spirit's very humble. He's always pushing it off to the Father and the Son. That doesn't mean that he's not part of the Trinity. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 13. Starting in verse 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now this verse was written in about 55 AD to the Macedonians. And it was written, and this is a benediction, meaning that this was like the, hey, see you later sort of verse of that letter. And the reason that it's important is because this verse is of very other, or very few verses so this is written in Trinitarian form, meaning that all the parts of the Holy Spirit are in it. There's only a handful of verses in the New Testament that have all the parts of the, Holy, or of the Trinity in them. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the word uh, Trinity, it actually isn't used in Scripture. Uh, it was coined by the early church fathers to understand uh, how, and how this God is made up. Um, it implies that there are not three gods, but there's only one God. It implies that there's three forms of God, but they're not separate. It imp implies that there's not three pieces, but there's one God. And it's really confusing if you think about it. Um, there's actually a book that I had to read in order to become a pastor called Systematic Theology uh, by Wayne Gurdon. This is what he wrote. He said, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is only one God. Which I'd like to say, well, thank you, Wayne, for absolutely nothing. You know, uh, I'm just as lost as ever, right? Like, that makes us clear as mud for me. 
And, and I think that the Trinity is something that we know, but we don't get. You know, we know it, but we don't, we don't really get it. We understand Jesus' sacrifices. We understand his grace. We understand his mercy. You know, we understand God's unconditional love. But fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that word fellowship is the word koinonia, which means to participate in, meaning that God wants to participate in your life. And yet we're still kind of confused. And I think if we miss this, we're missing out on a huge aspect of God. So I want to do a, a little bit of an exercise with you, and I want to show you what this problem really looks like, okay? So I want you to close your eyes with me. Um, for some of you, maybe you are already sleeping, so it's okay. Uh, but, but close your eyes, and I want you to imagine, I want you to picture Jesus. I want you to picture Jesus. All right, now open your eyes. Did you see something kind of like this? <laughs> maybe you saw a man who was welcoming and maybe had a beard. Fair enough. Okay, now I want you to close your eyes again. And I want you to picture God. Go ahead and picture God. All right, open your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody see this? <laughs> maybe like you've seen Bruce Almighty or like Morgan Freeman. Um, or, or maybe you saw, and I have another picture, maybe you saw, saw something that was closer to this. You know, like this big beard uh, from Michelangelo's painting. Okay, one more time. Close your eyes. I want you to picture the Holy Spirit. Okay, open your eyes. A lot of us kind of came up blank, didn't we? You know, maybe you saw uh, a spirit, maybe you saw fire, maybe you saw wind, or a dove, which my roommate lovingly calls birds vermin of the sky, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you see different things, but on the whole, every other part of the Trinity, no matter if it's correct or not, we have a picture. The Holy Spirit, we don't really. Uh, the philosopher Arius in 325 AD, he tried to describe the Holy Spirit, and he said it was an exerted energy of God, like Star Wars, you know, like the Force. These are not the drawers you are looking for, you know. <laughs> and he said that it was the feeling in the room. The Holy Spirit is the feeling inside of the room. When you go to church and you feel like you've been at church, the only problem with that is that Arius was a heretic. <laughs> and he missed the point of who Jesus was. And I think that this is what we do. We focus on what the Holy Spirit produces and on what he makes possible. And we miss who he is. We focus on what he does, not who he is. And we can miss the point. So, so today, I want to look at the Trinity, and I want to give you something to wrap your mind around about the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you three truths that we know about the Holy Spirit. Not to paint a picture of who, what he looks like, but to have an understanding. And the first one is, is that the Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit is personal. He is not a force or an energy, or immaterial things. 
The Bible says that he is a being, that he is personal, that he has emotions, a will, and reasoning. In fact, he's referred to with a masculine pronoun. Why is that important? Because the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Uh, John 15, verse 26, it says, But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. He's described with personhood. Uh, the other thing about him is that he also has an intellect. Uh, he, he, energy and forces, they don't have wisdom. They move involuntarily. The Holy Spirit has an intellect. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, it says, When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. He has wisdom. The other thing is that he possesses a will. Now, he's able to make decisions. In fact, he looked at you, and he decided what gifts to give you. Do you know that? He looked at, like, whatever we look like pre-body, okay? <laughs> He looked at you, he sized you up, and he said, that girl is going to be really good at this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, it says, it's the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He's making decisions. He has a will, and that's a personal thing to do. The other thing is that he also demonstrates emotions. Uh, Ephesians talks about uh, the Holy Spirit grieving. Romans talks about the Holy Spirit groaning. Uh, he can do all these things and feel all these things, and that's, that's incredibly personal. He is a personal God. The second thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is God. He is 100% God, just like God the Father, just like Jesus Christ himself. He isn't just the spirit of God, but he is God himself. Uh, Bill Bright, he said, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not an it. He's not a divine influence. He's not a fleecy white cloud. <laughs> He's not a ghost or a concept. The Holy Spirit is God. He has divine attributes. Everything, that meaning that everything that is true of God is true of the Holy Spirit. Uh, meaning that we are called to people, or to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, meaning that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Uh, Ephesians talks about how he has wisdom. 1 Peter 4 says he has a spirit of glory. Uh, Hebrews 10 says he's a spirit of grace. Uh, Psalm 139 says that he is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere, every time. And the, the attributes that set God apart as God are attributes of the Holy Spirit as well. He is 100% God, which makes him, he is a co-equal of the Trinity. And I think that there are times that we have this, like, hierarchy of the Trinity. You know, we say, like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father comes first, then there's Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few months ago, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira. 
and how they stole money from God. And Peter, when he's confronting them, he says, you lied to God. And then later on, he says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And he uses those interchangeably. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Meaning that when God says that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, like lean in on this one, he's not giving you his errand boy. And he's not giving you just an extra part. It means that his equal is alive and active in you. Romans 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. It's no wonder the enemy hates when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because that same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and active in you. How would your life be lived differently if I believed that? That the same power that raised Christ from the dead rests on my shoulders. Listen, when, when the power of God rests on my shoulders, the things of this world don't seem nearly as significant. You know, the guy cutting me off on Academy. Bad hair days, paper cuts, annoying people. They seem like nothing compared to the power that's within me. And that's just the little stuff. Think about bigger stuff. Grief, trauma, stress, anxiety. The same power inside of me is the power of God, and he has the power to overcome. Whether I feel it, whether I know it, whether I trust it, he has that power. Because he's God. He's not like God. He is God. And he lives inside of you, and he's working when you ain't even watching. Last one. The Holy Spirit is an individual. Now, this is where it gets muddy. And if you're a theology nerd, this is where it gets really fun. Um, the Holy Spirit is an individual. He's an independent part of the Trinity. Now, we have tried to, like, show this in physical things in our world, and we've done a really poor job of it. You know, we, we say, God is like an egg, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, he's got the shell, the, the egg white, and the yolk, but he's all one. Which, like, pardon me, but I would really not like to compare the triune God to something that comes out of a chicken's butt, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> seems a little weird. Uh, we, we, we try to compare it to water, you know? Water is a liquid, it is an ice cube, and it is a vapor, which, let's be real, you can only take that analogy so far before the steam melts the ice, you know, and the water gets rid of the vapor, and they don't work together. And the reality is, is that there's nothing in our physical world that, that shows us how something can be three in one at the same time. Everything has something that falls woefully short. So I'm going to give you a diagram of the Holy Spirit and just know, or of the triune God, and just know that this also falls woefully short, but at least it's a start. Um, this is a description of the Trinity, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not God, or not the Father, but they're all God. I, I love this quote from Dr. Wilbur Smith. He says, 
The man who denies the Trinity will lose his soul. The man who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind. <laughs> we who are finite cannot comprehend God, who is infinite. So where does this leave us today? I'm going to invite Val back up on stage, but where does this leave us today? Like, Lindsay, you said a lot of things about a lot of different philosophers and things and diagrams and pictures. We closed our eyes for a minute. It was nice. But where does this leave me today? And I will tell you, if you hear nothing but what I'm about to say, you've succeeded at your Sunday. You can get a sticker on the chart. The Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of. He is not uh, lesser than. He is for you. He is not something distant from you. He is our refuge, our strength, our comfort, our advocate. In fact, did you know, go back in time to the first time that you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Where were you? Did you know that he was the first person to walk into that room that day? And he was waiting with eager anticipation for you to be a child of God and to accept your role in the kingdom. That's the Holy Spirit. You know that part of you that no matter how hard you try, God still is pulling you back to him? That's the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and put your finger, two fingers up with me. I want you to put them on your, your neck. I think oftentimes the Holy Spirit is just like a heartbeat. You know, we may not think about it, and sometimes when we get worried, we especially think about it. When we get stressed, we especially think about it. But he carries us. Listen, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, meaning he didn't give you just a part of him. He gave you his spirit to live inside of you. I was thinking about this this morning. Um, we often call the Holy Spirit his presence. Think about that. If, I, if you invited me over and you said, Lindsay's presence is coming, <laughs> okay, that implies so much more, doesn't it? It implies that we laugh together. It implies that we talk together. It implies that maybe we even pray together. So I want to leave you with one question, and we're going to end on kind of a challenge every single week to challenge our perspectives, to, to challenge what God's doing. And I want to ask you, this week, what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? What is he up to? Have you asked him recently? Maybe you should just ask. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to work on in me? Where, where is he making you strong when before you were weak? Where is he giving you endurance? Or before you would have given up? Where is he giving you joy? Or before there was depression? As you bow your heads, and I, I want to pray for us this morning. Holy Spirit, Lord, would you move in our hearts? God, as we, we close on a worship song, could we, could we ask you this question? 
Holy Spirit, what are you doing in our lives? What are you saying? What are you repairing? God, you are so much more than an egg. <laughs> you are so much more than anything that we could ever compare to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that your, your presence would rest on our shoulders, that your words would, would speak into our hearts, and that we would begin to understand how you're moving. <laughs> 